BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We all know someone with hearing loss, maybe even struggle with it ourselves. But unfortunately, hearing aids cost thousands, which most people just can't afford. Now there's an alternative. A company called Audion Hearing just released new over-the-counter hearing aids for only $189, and they sound amazing. Highly recommended for anyone with hearing loss. Check out audionhearing.com for their 45-day risk-free trial. That's A-U-D-I-E-N hearing.com. And you can use code Keith for $25 off. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. The magic word. Joe Biden has found the magic word. And the magic word is the path to defeating Trump, to sending him to die in prison, to dispatching at least most of his cult back into their sewers, and to preserving representative government in this country. And since Friday, the magic word and that path have become unmistakably clear. The nation, the real nation, Americans loyal to, you know, America, not some loser business fraud guy, the real nation is angry. And all Joe Biden has to do is speak our anger. And he and democracy will prevail. Joe Biden, righteously angry, is Joe Biden thoroughly invigorated. And Joe Biden is righteously angry. And Joe Biden has found the magic word. Friday at Valley Forge and yesterday at Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston. It is one word and happens to not just be a perfect adjective for Trump, not just the truth about Trump, not just the essence of why Trump has torn this nation apart with one lie that contains all the other lies. But it is the word that Trump, above all else, cannot stand, cannot respond to, literally cannot live with. It is... The L word. But that's not the real world. That's not democracy. That's not America. In America, we all count. In America, we witness to serve all those who, in fact, participate. And losers are taught to concede when they lose. 
He's a loser. The word is loser. And the goal in the next 302 days is to take that word and hang it around Trump's neck. Big, shiny, gold, diamond-studded letters. Loser. We need to make the words Trump and loser synonymous. Joe Biden needs to keep calling him a loser. You need to keep calling him a loser. I need to keep calling him a loser. Corrine Jean-Pierre needs to call him a loser. Every Democrat and every Biden surrogate on the campaign trail needs to call him a loser every day. And we need to do it so often that sooner rather than later, somebody somewhere on the news screws up and identifies him as loser J. Trump. What Biden said Friday was extraordinary. It turned around his campaign prospects on a dime. It awakened every worried Democrat. It reassured every worried non-Trumpist Republican. It reminded the rest of us of how this man got elected president after 33 years of not getting elected president. It reminded us that he can't throw it 100 pitches a day anymore. But I don't care if you say how old is Joe Biden. He's 206. He still has his fastball. But the key to it is Trump Loser. Loser. Trump. Loser J. Trump. I really think that would be enough. That loser is the bowl of water we have all been looking for since 2015 to throw at this particular wicked witch of the West. And they do have identical demeanors. The second time Biden has used it. He used it at Valley Forge, too. It's on the verge of becoming his standard stump speech laugh line. The legal path just took Trump back to the truth that I'd won the election and he was a loser. And even if loser is not the magic wand against Trump. It is clear that Biden and his speechwriters have also been looking carefully at Trump's rhetoric and the most easily loathed parts of his fascist and white supremacist agendas, and they are stitching it together with all the other worst parts of American history. Yesterday in Charleston, they melded Trump and the big lie and the 2020 election with the Confederacy and the lost cause and the Civil War, and it was perfect. After the Civil War, the defeated Confederates couldn't accept the verdict of the war. They had lost. So they say they embraced what's known as the lost cause, a self-serving lie that the Civil War is not about slavery, but about states' rights. They've called that the noble cause. That was a lie. A lie that had, not just a lie, but terrible consequences. It brought on Jim Crow. So let me be clear, for those who don't seem to know, slavery was the cause of the Civil War. There's no negotiation about that. Now, now we're living in an era of a second lost cause. Once again, there's some in this country trying trying to turn a loss into a lie, a lie which, if allowed to live, will once again bring terrible damage to this country. This time, the lie is about the 2020 election. 
the election which you made, your voices heard and your power known. Just two days ago, we marked the third anniversary of the dark, one of the darkest days in American history, January the 6th, the day in which insurrectionists stormed the United States Capitol, trying for the first time in American history to stop the peaceful transfer of power in the country. More of this, please. And again, the word loser is perfection. Any word that contains lose or loser or losing or say lost cause, it melts loser J. Trump just a little bit more. And I must say again, as I said earlier and emphasized in the bulletin Friday after the Valley Forge speech, that the pivot here towards calling Trump what he is and doing so with righteous anger takes 20 years off Joe Biden's age. I remind you again, he asked me to lunch in 2007 because his reputation was that of being a hothead, of being too angry. Now, he is righteously angry without being hot-headed. He has, in fact, even elevated his game one more step. He is meticulously and repeatedly suppressing his anger, swallowing his rage. And whether this is completely organic or he has practiced this, I don't know and I don't care. He's just angry enough. And the reason these two seemingly small things have begun to alter the DNA of this campaign, that one word loser and that precisely correct amount of anger, is that the rest of us have been waiting for them. Trump is a loser. Where are the people saying it? Trump is threatening the fiber of this nation and the future of the world. Where is the person who will literally humiliate him with their anger and metaphorically kick him in the crotch. Who better to be angry? Who better to defend America from this clown than the President of the United States? The man who made loser J. Trump a loser. By the way, the resonance of this was immediate, and it underscores my point. The Biden campaign reported $1 million in donations online only in the 24 hours after the Valley Forge speech. The campaign has also discovered virality since, like, last Thursday. 14 quote panels and video segments from that speech were echoing over the weekend, and the ones from Charleston were beginning to go online last night. And just before 5 p.m. yesterday, just as he had in his speech, the president's personal account posted the clip of Trump dismissing the school shooting in Iowa with, quote, we have to get over it like it was bad weather. The Biden campaign has discovered the Internet. And this business of anger and timing. Let me tell you a quick anecdote about the value of loud anger ringing out organically during otherwise universal silence. I am making no comparisons here other than the circumstances. But for five years after 9-11, Democrats were afraid, more afraid than usual, to criticize a Republican president about national security. They were, and in retrospect, rightfully, Fearful that if a Democratic leader or a Democratic senator or a Democratic presidential hopeful complained about what was ever more obviously manipulation by the Bush administration of the terror threat, that there actually could be a follow up to the 9-11 terrorist attacks or some other act of terror. And the Republicans would then own the political landscape of this nation for the next 20 years and would be able to blame the Democrats as if they brought on 
the theoretical second attack. Well, I never got that memo. So I started yelling about what Bush was doing in 2005. No plan, no strategy, no heeding the warnings even of my own executive producer who literally said to me, but what if there is another attack? And I said, I think our show will be the last thing they worry about. Inadvertent, unintended, utterly organic, and there were two responses. Viewer after viewer greeted me with variations of the same statement, my God, I thought I was the only one who felt that way. And then... The elected Democrats began to respond by challenging Bush and the fundamentally evil and manipulative and unfathomable color-coded terror alert system, which I assumed was a coincidence. The next thing I knew, I bumped into John Kerry at Fenway Park in Boston at the 2007 World Series, and he said, thanks for winning the midterms for us. And I laughed, assuming he was being deliberately and hyperbolically absurd. No, I mean it. None of us could have said any of that. What if we were wrong? But you, you put your head through that brick wall, and the rest of us could then charge on through. Good work. I asked John Kerry if it wasn't supposed to be the other way around. It's supposed to be the other way around, but guess what? It isn't. Good work. Trump is the living embodiment of the story of the emperor's new clothes. We all know that. There are 10-year-old kids who could tell you that. Yet the completeness of Trump's fraudulence has never been exposed properly for one reason. The right person had yet to come along to say it, to surprise people when he said it, to permit everybody else to say it, and then to own the phrase forever. Loser J. Trump. By the way, Loser J. Trump has never been burdened by consistency, but even this strains what passes for credulity in his world. Yesterday, he overtly implied that if he regains power, he will indict a former president of the United States. Today, he was to attend the D.C. Federal Appeals Court hearing at which he and his lawyers were to argue that you cannot indict a former president of the United States. I wondered for a moment if that contradiction of presidential immunity being turned on and off like a light bulb even interrupted for just a second Trump's worldview. Trump's worldview, of course, is just a series of pictures of himself interspersed with these seven or eight mirrors that he wears attached to his size XXXXL suit. It doesn't really matter, of course. The point is not the outcome of these suits. The point is the delay and the endless feeding of the loser J. Trump martyrdom machine. Every time I hear about Trump being the victim of this and the target of that, I think of the 80s British punk comedy, The Young Ones, and the episode in which one character was nailing himself to the cross, and another character was warning him that you can never do it without help because you can never hammer in the last nail. He knows he's tried. That's Trump. The hearing today was also to deal with this curious premise that loser Jay is a victim, there's that word again, of double jeopardy because the Senate did not vote him guilty in his last impeachment. And since there are no criminal penalties involved in impeachment and removal, it seems specious at best. Then again, so does he. There is no ruling expected today. Meanwhile, the Supreme Court will hear oral arguments on February 8th on the Colorado 14th Amendment disqualification. 
The Second Circuit Court of Appeals denied his demand to have his already denied claim of immunity in the E. Jean Carroll case reconsidered. His lawyers have filed to have the Georgia indictments dismissed because of immunity, just for him, of course, not for any other president. His co-defendant, Michael Roman, filed to have the Georgia indictments dismissed because he claims the district attorney hired a romantic partner to be a prosecutor. And before you panic over that, A, even if it's true, there's no reason the charges would be automatically dismissed. B, it would be the dumbest thing ever done by a prosecutor. Then again, ask the O.J. Simpson prosecution team. And C, this is five months to the day that Trump accused the same district attorney of having had an affair with a gang member she was prosecuting, and that turned out to be complete crap. By the way, at some point with enough trials, don't they do the clicker thing on Trump's card and he gets a free one? For now, the Georgia story is on the pile with two other stories from yesterday, Mediaite, says it has a tape of Roger Stone from before the 2020 election telling a New York police buddy that, quote, it's time to do it, unquote, it being the assassination of Congressman Jerry Nadler or Congressman Eric Swalwell, quote, then we'll see how brave the rest of them are, unquote. I'm not buying it right now, largely because I know the founder of Mediate and his scoops were wrong about 40, 45% of the time. Stone says the tape is AI. I say Stone's hair is AI. Also, there is the New York Post story of a former Epstein victim sending emails to one of the paper's columnists eight years ago claiming she had video of another victim having sex with Trump, Clinton, Prince Andrew, and Richard Branson, but especially with Trump, then retracting all of this weeks later in another email. Right now, that story is notable only because Trump's idiot son, that would be idiot number one, idiot junior, distributed this story on social media and asked, this seems like a big deal, true, and why has nothing been done about it? While conveniently leaving his own father's name out of the story because obviously their crowd would never read the story, just his tweet. That would be his father's name that he left out of it. His father's name. Loser J. Trump. The legal thing that did get my attention largely flew under the radar. It begins to look as if Dan Scavino has flipped, or at least did not perjure himself when grilled by Jack Smith's team. ABC News reporting that Scavino fleshed out the skeleton of what Trump was doing during Trump's coup We knew the one-word answer was watching. Scavino, Loser Jay's internet guy, said all those around Trump urged him repeatedly that day to write something online to call it off, quote, but he was just not interested at that moment to put anything out. Scavino and another Trump aide, Nick Luna, reportedly built a timeline for the special prosecutor about Trump and the mortal danger to Mike Pence. Told Pence had been taken to a secure location, Luna says Trump responded, so what? Scabino said they then spent 20 minutes trying to get Trump to do something to tamp down the insurrection. And when they gave up and left Trump alone, he made his infamous tweet about Pence not having had the courage to do what was necessary. White House attorneys then descended upon Scavino, thinking he had written that, whereupon they all went back into Trump and insisted it was, quote, not what we need. And he answered, but it's true. You don't have to be an attorney to figure where Smith would be going with this and whether 
tipped hand or coincidence, President Biden hit this same note on Friday. This new part of testimony from Scavino and Luna goes to an underrated part of the Smith prosecution. Apart from Trump's overt acts to overthrow the incoming government, there was also, as Biden put it, the greatest dereliction of duty by any president ever. If your job is to throw the switch in the trolley track meme to avoid people being run over and you don't throw the switch, you are just as guilty as if you'd covered the tracks with rocks and derailed the trolley. That report, of course, got less play yesterday and Sunday than did the appalling performance by Kristen Welker on Meet the Press. Congresswoman Ava Braun of upstate New York. I'm sorry, I always confuse Ava Braun and Elise Stefanik. Congresswoman Elise Stefanik called the January 6th convicts and defendants, quote, hostages, just as Trump did. And Welker simply stared blankly in response and did not ask the question that would have won her a Peabody. It would have been a one-word question, and the question would have been, hostages? I will note again that while the fury against Kristen Welker and NBC for this has been no more than she deserves, also, told you so, the reason for it is incorrect. She did not fail to do her job. One more time. The ownership of every news organization in America has had this meeting, formally or informally, on the record or off. What do we do if Trump regains power? How do we protect our profits? How do we make sure he prosecutes somebody else and not us? The answer invariably is to platform little weasels like this Elise Stefanik. She may look like she has just escaped from the insurance commercial about young adults turning into their parents. But she is the deadliest kind of fascist, the fascist who is in it just for the power or the money and thus will do anything. Anyway, if you think your, quote, news, unquote, person will be either as journalistically immoral or stupid as Kristen Welker was on Sunday, all the better. I don't know which it is in Welker's case. I will remind you again that a dozen journalists disqualified themselves the night before the first Republican debate by dining with Trump goons Jason Miller and Swift Boat Las Vida, and Welker was one of them. She's a disgrace. But she may have known exactly what she was doing, or in this case, not doing. Lastly, for comic relief, Dean Phillips, who is still claiming he is a Democrat, and Marianne Williamson, who is still claiming she is running for president, staged a debate in Manchester, New Hampshire yesterday. According to Politico, much of the sparse crowd in attendance consisted of 7th grade students. After school detention, I presume. Also of interest here, let me just read the headline from the Wall Street Journal for safety's sake. Quote, Elon Musk has used illegal drugs, worrying leaders at Tesla and SpaceX. Some executives and board members fear the billionaire's use of drugs, including LSD, cocaine, ecstasy, mushrooms, and ketamine. Space ecstasy, am I right? That's next. This is, wait, say it with me now. Loser J. Trump. This is Countdown. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and 
Starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We all know someone with hearing loss, maybe even struggle with it ourselves. But unfortunately, hearing aids cost thousands, which most people just can't afford. Now there's an alternative. A company called Audion Hearing just released new over-the-counter hearing aids for only $189, and they sound amazing. Highly recommended for anyone with hearing loss. Check out audionhearing.com for their 45-day risk-free trial. That's A-U-D-I-E-N hearing.com, and you can use code Keith for $25 off. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, they're like, you know, who's ready to catch Creighton, you don't watch Creighton. They play, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not gonna, the not the Big East tournament. They're, well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That cool. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team. Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of and those. Then never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? See the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. Postscripts to the news. Some headlines, some updates, some snarks, some predictions. Dateline, San Francisco, California. Rather than try to paraphrase this, I'm just going to read a couple of paragraphs. As somebody who was once suspended from Twitter by Elon Musk because he said I had doxed him, when I had not given an address, a location, or any information about him or anybody else. As somebody who has watched him do stupid thing after stupid thing that he thinks is funny or that he thinks is brilliant or that he thinks has never been thought of before, I have to say this never occurred to me because it just seemed to me it would be impossible for Musk to have gotten away with this. But the Wall Street Journal headline pulled no punches. Quote, Elon Musk has used illegal drugs, worrying leaders at Tesla and SpaceX. Some executives and board members fear the billionaire's use of drugs, including LSD, cocaine, ecstasy, mushrooms, and ketamine, could harm his companies. Oh, so that's why he thought carrying the sink into Twitter headquarters was witty. I mean, last night he tweeted, quote, Mark Cuban is a racist. He named his son X. He renamed his social media site X. Now it begins to make sense. From the article, his, again, quoting the journal, drug use could have major consequences, not just for his health, but also the six companies and billions in assets he oversees, according to people familiar with Musk and the companies. The world's wealthiest person has used LSD, cocaine, ecstasy, and psychedelic mushrooms, often at private parties around the world. 
where attendees sign non-disclosure agreements or give up their phones to enter, according to people who have witnessed his drug use and others with knowledge of it. Musk has previously smoked marijuana in public and has said he has a prescription for the psychedelic-like ketamine. In 2018, for example, he took multiple tabs of acid at a party he hosted in Los Angeles. The next year, he partied on magic mushrooms at an event in Mexico. In 2021, he took ketamine recreationally with his brother, Kimball Musk, in Miami at a house party. He has taken illegal drugs with current SpaceX and former Tesla board member Steve Jurvetson. People close to Musk, who is now 52, said his drug use is ongoing, especially his consumption of ketamine, and that they are concerned it could cause a health crisis. Even if it doesn't, it could damage his businesses. Wait, there's more. Illegal drug use would likely be a violation of federal policies that could jeopardize SpaceX's billions of dollars in government contracts. Musk is intrinsic to the value of his companies, potentially putting at risk around $1 trillion in assets held by investors tens of thousands of jobs, and big parts of the U.S. space program, unquote. There followed some toothless denials by company executives, but what would you do if that had been written about you? The amazing strength of the Wall Street Journal piece also underscores the wisdom of the old gag, updated slightly for the circumstances, just because you're paranoid does not mean they're not out to get you, especially if the paranoia might be fueled by, quote, LSD, cocaine, ecstasy, mushrooms, and ketamine. Thank you, Nancy Faust. Sky High by Jigsaw. Sky High. Oh, Google it. It's a great joke. Dateline 30 Rock. Well, this is a shock. His show was canceled in November, and they made a whole series of bullshit deck chair shuffling so they could get away with claiming they just ran out of weekend show slots and they had too many anchors. Now, Mehdi Hassan has left MSNBC. Was he fired? It doesn't matter. They wanted him out, and they got him out. I wasn't fired. They wanted me out, and they got me out by breaching my contract. Of course, it cost them 18 mil, and I wanted to leave, but that's neither here nor there. And once again, let me recap all the protests about the latest firing there of a prominent MSNBC commentator from those free speech advocates and liberal profiteers. I'm sorry, I misread that. Liberal profits. Maddo, Lawrence O'Donnell, Chris Hayes, Alex Wagner, Jen Psaki. I lied. There were no protests. None of them said anything. Why should they? It wasn't their show that got canceled. Yet. This is Sports Center. Wait, check that. Not anymore. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. In sports, Dateline Bristol, Connecticut. Hello. Aaron Rodgers will reportedly appear on ESPN again today for the first time since he defamed his Disney colleague Jimmy Kimmel. 
and Kimmel threatened to sue him. And host Pat McAfee accused Executive Vice President Norby Williamson of leaking inaccurate ratings about the show. McAfee doubled down Monday, saying he did not take back anything he said and mocking Williamson while he schmoozed two other ESPN bosses and the chairman of Disney, Bob Iger. What happens next? Well, if Jimmy Kimmel acts, McAfee gets fired. It's kind of simple. Assuming that does not happen, the answer is, short term, Rogers apologizes to McAfee for causing him such grief, and he blames his paranoid, I'm afraid of needles, but I have to pretend I know the real story of vaccines, defamation of Kimmel on the liberal media or Joe Biden or Joe Rogan or, or me or, or, or God knows what. That's short term. Long term, McAfee does something like this again, implodes and gets fired, or knowing how TV management works and especially how ESPN management works, he doesn't. He doesn't implode. But at some point in the next month or two, McAfee wakes up to a call from Bob Iger and those two ESPN execs he mentioned, telling him that the new executive in charge of his show is Norby Williamson. Because, trust me, management always wins. Always. Always. And Dateline Germany, and they did not say which city. The soccer legend Franz Beckenbauer, maybe the best defensive player of the 20th century, has died at the age of 78. He captained West Germany to the World Cup in 1974 and then was the country's manager when it won again in 1990. Twice he won the Ballon d'Or as the world's best player. He was also known for the whole of his life as one of the most gracious individuals in sports. After 14 seasons at Bayern Munich, he finished his playing career with two stints with the legendary New York Cosmos. The second one, the last one, began at the UNICEF charity game before 77,000 fans at Giant Stadium in New Jersey in August of 1982. CNN sent me to cover that game, or at least the preview of it, when soccer was entirely a curiosity and the UNICEF part of it was far more interesting to our audience. I was offered two players as interviewees. One was the Yugoslavian defender Bogi Bogisevic of the Cosmos, a free spirit with a great sense of humor, and the other was Franz Beckenbauer. Even I knew who Franz Beckenbauer was. We did a couple of live shots before the game, and then on a whim, I asked them if we could do a silly bit of satire about the fact that the 18 players on the Cosmos roster came from 11 different countries. I explained my idea, and the reserved, courtly, friendly Beckenbauer roared and slapped his hands together. We rolled tape, and I introduced them both, and I said that Bogisevich had kindly agreed to be the interpreter for the German Beckenbauer. I said, Bogie, would you ask Franz how it feels to be back at Giant Stadium after so many years. And he turned and looked at Beckenbauer, and he paused for a second as if he were trying to find the right words. Hey, Franz, how it feel to be back at Giant Stadium? You feel how? Beckenbauer paused and said with typical elegance, Would you tell him I am delighted to be back with my old friends in this wonderful stadium and with you here on CNN? Bugisevich paused again, nodded to Franz, turned to me and said, he said he likes it here. We had to stop at that point. Beckenbauer and I were laughing too hard. I don't remember if we used the video on the air or not. I sure hope we did. Franz Beckenbauer asked me if my heritage was also German. Then he gave me a two-handed handshake goodbye. 
That was the only time I ever met him and the last time I ever saw him. And it was more than 41 years ago. And yesterday when this news came across, I felt my heart sink. Apparently, everybody who knew Franz Beckenbauer or thought they did felt exactly that way. to come on countdown since we're back to the story of leaked ratings have i got a story about leaked ratings the day msnbc leaked mine at current tv only they were the wrong ratings they were higher than my actual ratings at current tv things i promise not to tell coming up first time for the daily roundup of the miscreants morons and dunning kruger effect specimens who constitute today's worst persons in the world the bronze worse Okay, this was the only thing missing from the Republican presidential primary. One of the candidates explaining that some of her best friends are black. Over to you, Nikki Haley. I should have said slavery right off the bat. But if you grow up in South Carolina, literally in second and third grade, you learn about slavery. You grow up and you have, you know, I had black friends growing up. It is a very talked about thing. We have a big history in South Carolina. Apart from filling out yet another cliche on the cliche scoreboard, Nikki Haley seems to think that the rest of us growing up in the country outside of the South, that we never learned about the Civil War. Of course we did. We won it. Worser, the runner-up, Christina Caramo, the election-denying demons can be transmitted by sex, chair of the Michigan Republican Party, After bringing it to within a few dollars of bankruptcy, several dozen board members met Saturday and voted to oust her. She is, of course, denying the outcome of the election. The sidebar here, the source of the details for Politico.com anyway, was District 2 Republican State Committee member Bree Mogenberg. Now, if that name sounds familiar, it's because Ms. Mogenberg was on this list last week accused by the wife of the chairman of District 2 of the Republican Party there, Jennifer Strickland Seabolt, of carrying on an affair with Mr. Seabolt. Ms. Mogenberg not only goes to state board of education meetings wearing a Wonder Woman outfit that apparently looks quite fetching on her, but it is also she is the local chair of Moms for Liberty. Say it with me now. So it's that kind of liberty. Waka, 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 waka. But our winner, the worst. Speaking of, Lauren Boebert. Police in Salt, Colorado, confirmed to the Daily Beast that they have investigated reports of a fracas, a brouhaha, an altercation at a restaurant in Boebert's congressional district, the one she's quitting because she can't possibly get reelected from there. The report, that at a popular night spot, Miner's Claim Restaurant, of course, Bobert punched her ex-husband Jason twice in the face. The source of the information, her ex-husband Jason. He said there were witnesses. She said nobody got arrested. He reported to the cops that he had been a victim of domestic violence. She just couldn't get a grip on her emotions or handle herself in public or bring things to a productive conclusion. The date... January 6th, 
I guess it was just a normal tourist visit that got out of hand. Lauren, is that a firm denial in your pocket, or are you just glad to see me, Bobert? Today's worst person in the world! BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We all know someone with hearing loss, maybe even struggle with it ourselves. But unfortunately, hearing aids cost thousands, which most people just can't afford. Now there's an alternative. A company called Audion Hearing just released new over-the-counter hearing aids for only $189, and they sound amazing. Highly recommended for anyone with hearing loss. Check out audionhearing.com for their 45-day risk-free trial. That's A-U-D-I-E-N hearing.com, and you can use code KEITH for $25 off. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And now to the number one story on the countdown and my favorite topic, me, and I saw her on TV recently, so I flashed back and shuddered all over again. Yes, it's things I promised not to tell. I suspect that until the day I actually die, no day will have started so well with such promise yet ended so badly with such a clanging thud as Wednesday, July 27th, 2011 did. Near midnight, two nights earlier, I had just entered my New York apartment back from a New York Yankees game when the last landline telephone I ever owned began to ring. Hi, Keith. It's Uma. Yeah. How many Umas could there be? It was the actress Uma Thurman. We had texted briefly. We had never met. We had never spoken. We spoke for 90 minutes, and she was self-deprecating and vulnerable and razor-sharp and warm, and she invited me to coffee on the afternoon of D-Day, Wednesday, July 27, 2011. One of the producers I had hired to do the new version of Countdown on Al Gore's network, Current TV, happened to know Uma Thurman from the gym. Erica Ferrari was her name, and she was great, and she and Uma Thurman had become close enough that Uma had unloaded all her relationship issues on Erica, and the next thing I knew, Erica was in my office explaining to me that when she explained to Uma where she worked and with whom, Uma said, the Keith Olbermann? And now I was being set up for drinks or dinner or coffee or something with Uma Thurman. 
So this seemed like a good day. Then two nights earlier, we had finally had had this marvelous, warm conversation. And Uma Thurman had suggested coffee on Wednesday in 2.30 or so in one of the two or three places in Midtown near my studio. And she'd text me with details and she couldn't wait. Simultaneously with this, the CEO of the current TV network, Mark Rosenthal, called me up and invited me to dinner on Wednesday, July 27th, 2011. Going to be a busy day. Al Gore and Current had hired me even before I left MSNBC. That was what that was all about. And I had met and gotten to know everybody in the organization over the following six months before we finally got the show on the air in June. We got off to a good start, even though Current TV was available only in low-def digital cable. On its first night, Countdown on Current beat both MSNBC's Lawrence O'Donnell show and CNN's Elliot Spitzer show in the so-called demo ratings, measuring viewers aged 18 to 54. But by July 27th, 2011, so like two months later, it was evident to me that the network was run by four kinds of people. One, the CEO, Rosenthal, who used to be at MTV and knew what he was doing. Two, some dilettantes who did not know how to plug in a television, let alone put stuff on one. Three, co-owner Al Gore, who meant well, but who had absolutely no judgment when it came to business partners. And four, in a class by himself, Gore's business partner, Joel Hyatt, who had made one superb business decision in 1977 that earned him billions of dollars, and he sold everything, and then it earned him billions of dollars again. But he had literally never gotten anything right since 1977, while at the same time thinking he had never gotten anything wrong since 1977. He was a liberal. Unfortunately, he was a liberal Donald Trump. What was worse was that of all these people, only Mark Rosenthal understood how ruinously incompetent Joel Hyatt really was. Rosenthal had been president of MTV from 1996 through 2004, and whatever you thought of all those reality shows and the real world and stuff like that, they were successes. He knew what he was doing, and he knew Joel Hyatt didn't. And Mark Rosenthal had invited me to dinner as soon as my show was over on Wednesday night, July 27, 2011, about seven hours after I was scheduled to have coffee with Uma Thurman as a dry run for a date. And Rosenthal told me he had figured out how we could, in effect, take control of the current TV network away from this Joel Hyatt and not only exploit the good start Countdown had made, but build on it and make current TV into the liberal news network we had been intending to create and knew would be a success. Dinner would be our chance for him to explain it to me to hatch our plan. It was a big, big day. I think, without me going into detail, you intuitively get the Uma Thurman part of what July 27th, 2011 was supposed to be, but I need to put a little bit more meat on the bones of why it was so important at Current TV. This is who this guy Hyatt was. That same producer who was doing her best to set up Uma Thurman and me, Erica, she walked in one day white as the sheet of paper she was carrying at arm's length as if it had been printed in bubonic plague. She had found, while surfing around Internet archives, a New York Times article about this Joel Hyatt, an article from April 13, 1990. You remember the movie Philadelphia, where the evil head of the law firm portrayed by the actor Jason Robards had fired the head of his Philadelphia office played by Tom Hanks because the Hanks character had AIDS? 
and Hank's character got as his lawyer, a character played by Denzel Washington? Well, this guy who co-owned Current TV with Al Gore, he was the Jason Robards character. He had fired from his law firm, Hyatt Legal Services, the head of his Philadelphia office, Clarence B. Kane, after finding out Clarence B. Kane had AIDS. In fact, reality was actually worse than the Philadelphia movie. In real life, Clarence B. Kane was also African-American. The Times story that Erica Ferrari handed me, like it was printed on razor blades, recounted how a federal judge had not only ordered Hyatt Legal Services to pay Mr. Kane $157,000 plus costs, but how it had ordered them to pay him immediately, like in the next couple days. This was harrowing enough, but the final paragraph made my head swim. Quote, What pained him most, Mr. Hyatt said, was the notion that his firm discriminated. He noted how it had, after all, named a gay black man to run one of its major offices, something no law firm its size has ever knowingly done. Quote, what's totally lost in the shuffle is that this is an organization in which anyone can succeed, he said. No one has written about that. That was this guy Hyatt in a nutshell. He fired a gay black man who was dying of AIDS, but he knew who the real victim here was, himself. And it's not like Hyatt had improved over the years. As I mentioned, The Night Countdown premiered on Current TV June 20th, 2011. We beat MSNBC and CNN in the ratings, but we didn't know it. The next day, our ratings showed that we had beaten CNN and just missed beating O'Donnell on MSNBC. A few weeks later, one of those networks got a friendly reporter to write a story about how, since the debut, our ratings on Current had sunk, which was to be expected and which was a totally legitimate competitive thing for the MSNBC guys to do. But the numbers were all wrong. The ratings for Countdown that were included in the pro-CNN, pro-MSNBC story were somehow higher than the ratings we saw every day at Current. If I'm not clear about this, the story said that, say, on Monday, July 11th, we had had 100,000 demo viewers. But our ratings, the ratings we got from the Nielsen Company, they said that on Monday, July 7th, we didn't have 100,000 demo viewers. We only had 75,000 demo viewers. Well, something was really, really wrong here. So when Hyatt called me for our weekly phone chat, I said, look, there's something wrong with the ratings. And I explained the article to him, and he said, oh, I knew they were going to do that show how your ratings had dropped. And I said, no, no, you're missing my point. They say we had higher ratings than we actually did. Oh, I knew they were going to do that too, he said with even more condescension. And I said, why would they do that? Why would they try to make us look better? Oh, I knew they were going to do that too, just to... Then there was a long pause while Joel Hyatt made something up. Just to mess with us. I asked him, since he had personally purchased the ratings package from the Nielsen Company, the first ratings in the history of current TV, if he could just review for me what he remembered of the process. Well, I went in and made an excellent deal. I saved $2,000 on their initial price point. This man was worth a couple billion dollars. They wanted us to buy not just the live ratings, but something called live plus diver. I thought for a moment. Diver, I said? You mean... Live plus DVR? He laughed. <laughs> yes, that's it. Diver. What the hell is Diver? You just use the live ratings in TV. Everybody knows that. I explained to him that 
Diver ratings were comparatively new, about three, four years old at that point. They added to the live rating people who would watch the show on their DVR within 24 hours of having recorded it. He had bought the ratings that did not include all of those people. So that when we got what we thought were our ratings for our premiere night, when we beat CNN and almost beat MSNBC but just missed, we didn't just miss. The ratings package this idiot Hyatt had bought did not include anybody who watched the show on their DVRs. And that cost us the chance to come out and say, we beat CNN and MSNBC the first night with this crappy low-def picture down on channel 103. But more importantly, it saved this billionaire idiot Hyatt $2,000. So, Mark Rosenthal was taking me to dinner hours after I was to have coffee with Uma Thurman to explain how we could get rid of this idiot who thought DVR meant diver. Thus was July 27th, 2011, going to be one of the turning points in my life. And then about 1.45, just when Uma said she was going to text me to tell me where to meet her for coffee, she texted me all right. She texted me to explain her rehearsal was running long and she had to postpone. And while I was reading between those lines and knowing that that actually meant she was going back with her boyfriend or her husband or whoever he was, a company email came into all of our inboxes. And even before I opened it, I could hear mass groaning coming from my newsroom. Mark Rosenthal, seven hours before our dinner to plot how to root around Joel Divers slash Jason Robards in Philadelphia slash I saved $2,000 Hyatt, Mark Rosenthal had been fired. And he'd been replaced as CEO of Current TV, effective immediately by co-owner Joel Hyatt. Well, holy diver. It'd be a... Uh, Better story if I never saw Mark Rosenthal or Uma Thurman again in my life, but it wouldn't be true. I saw Mark many times, and then four years later, I was at a New York recording studio doing the voice of the newsman character, Tom Jumbo Grumbo, on the great animated series BoJack Horseman, when one of the other studio doors opened and outstepped Uma Thurman. Radiant. Elegant. I introduced myself. She smiled. She said she was a fan. She laughed, and she said, you know... We must have coffee sometime. You know, on the subject of released or leaked ratings, it occurs to me ESPN also allegedly leaked my ratings to a columnist once. But it wasn't ESPN ratings that they leaked. It was MSNBC ratings. At least that's what the columnist told me from USA Today. I've done all the damage I can do here. Thank you for listening. Countdown musical directors Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel arranged, produced, and performed most of our music. Mr. Ray was on the guitars, bass, and drums, and Mr. Chanel handled orchestration and keyboards. Produced by TKO Brothers. What happened was this guy, Rudy Martsky, was the TV sports columnist of USA Today. I had left SportsCenter in June started this show on MSNBC called The Big Show in October, and there were no ratings. It was a terribly rated show until the Clinton story broke in January of 1998. But this is November, December 1997, and Marsky calls me up and goes, hey, yeah, uh, uh, John Walsh uh, from uh, ESPN, uh, he's been trying to get me to run the ratings of your MSNBC show for weeks now, uh, and they, they don't look too good. What do you think of this? 
I did not tell him what I actually thought of it, which was, way to protect your sources, Rudy. Anyway, that's what he told me. Other music, including some of the Beethoven compositions, were arranged and performed by the group No Horns Allowed. The sports music is the Olderman theme from ESPN2, written by Mitch Warren Davis, courtesy of ESPN Inc. Our satirical and pithy musical comments are by Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever. Our announcer today is my friend Tony Kornheiser from ESPN. What a coincidence. Everything else was, as always, pretty much my fault. That's Countdown for this, 302 days until the 2024 U.S. presidential election and the 1099th day since Dementia J. Trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. Use the 14th Amendment, the Insurrection Act, and the justice system to stop him from doing it again while we still can. The next scheduled countdown is tomorrow. Until then, I'm Keith Olbermann. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and good luck. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We all know someone with hearing loss, maybe even struggle with it ourselves. But unfortunately, hearing aids cost thousands, which most people just can't afford. Now there's an alternative. A company called Audion Hearing just released new over-the-counter hearing aids for only $189, and they sound amazing. Highly recommended for anyone with hearing loss. Check out audionhearing.com for their 45-day risk-free trial. That's A-U-D-I-E-N hearing.com, and you can use code Keith for $25 off. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free... 